In today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. Ikhlas doesn't make you ascetic. Ikhlas makes you get involved more in the world and ikhlas is the secret of success. By disdaining the world, you control the world. Welcome to the Iman Wire podcast, Istanbul edition. I'm your co-host, Ma'ata Samatiya, with my co-host, Mustafa Davis. Assalamu alaikum, Mustafa. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you, Zidhi? Alhamdulillah. How are you doing? Perfect. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. We have today a very, very special guest uh, with us, Dr. Rajab Shanturk of the Ibn Khaldun University. Dr. Rajab, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. For those of our listeners who don't know who Dr. Rajab is, you should know who Dr. Rajab is. You're going to find a biography of him on our website. Uh, he's the president of Ibn Khaldun University. He started many other institutes uh, here in Istanbul that are really growing some uh, great Islamic scholarship. Dr. Rajab, before we get into uh, the topic of today, I just wanted to start with a question that I ask all of our guests. What strikes you about the city of Istanbul? Everything. <laughs> That's a simple answer. <laughs> I mean, it's history, geography, spirituality, Allah. architecture, you know, scholarship, it's people, everything. Uh, you find many things, you know, Istanbul is so generous, you know, it offers you the best view, like na- na- naturally uh, speaking, you know, when you uh, go and watch the sea, the Bosphorus, uh, the mosques, you know, uh, on uh, Istanbul, so beautiful, uh, you know, just uh, sitting on the shore of the Bosphorus and watching the uh, the city, the, the sea, it's like a therapy, psychological therapy, spiritual uh, therapy, and also uh, visiting those historical uh, places, you know, history of Rome, history of Byzantium, history of classical Ottoman times, modern Ottoman times, you know, like, you know, uh, it's so rich, you know, uh, historically, and also scholarship in Istanbul. There are so many scholars, so many libraries, so many universities, so many uh, centers, institutes, publishing houses. It's so rich, you know, uh, and also people in Istanbul, uh, there are so many nice and good people, kind people, the Istanbul Adep, you know, is very uh, famous, you know, very well known, uh, because Istanbul people had the highest etiquette mm. during the uh, Ottoman times for uh, several uh, centuries, and uh, it still continues, uh, of course, in some uh, circles. But you see its remnants on every uh, everybody. Uh, so there are many things you know, that Istanbul strikes me, attracts me, and I live in Istanbul by choice. <laughs> uh, not because you know this is my country, not because I was raised up here. Uh, I have the choice of uh, you know working uh, almost everywhere right. uh, in the world. But I am here by choice. Actually, Mustafa <laughs> and I moved here by choice, and I think we concur with everything you say, right, Mustafa? I love it here. Alhamdulillah. Of all the places I've been, I think this is the place I feel most at home. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. You're talking about this concept of adab. I mean, um, and for our listeners who don't know what adab means, can you just translate what, what adab is? Yeah, adab means manners. Adab means uh, etiquette. Uh, adab is the outcome of everything you learn and study. Uh, as it's reflected in your uh, relations with uh, other uh, people, uh, it's like practical ethics uh, and uh, etiquette and uh, morality. Uh, so this has been emphasized uh, very much during the Ottoman uh, times. There is a, a couplet. Uh, it says, "Vardım ilim meclisine, kıldım ilim talep." Dediler ilim sonra illa edep illa edep. It means I went to the uh, uh, circle of knowledge. I asked for knowledge. They said first edep, first edep. Mm. Knowledge comes uh, later. Uh, so edep precedes knowledge and follows knowledge. Mm. Because first you have some edep, you study, then then you have upgraded uh, edep because there are levels uh, of edep. And adab uh, manifests in your relations with the whole existence. Al-adabu billah, you know, your adab with Allah. And uh, al-adabu bi khalqillah. 
and your adab with the creatures uh, of Allah and among the creatures of Allah al adab bi nafsik you know your adab with yourself uh, because human beings they are reflexive beings uh, so uh, we think about ourselves so we are in an internal relationship with ourselves this is also uh, an adab Uh, so adapt with the nature, adapt with animals, adapt with other human beings, adapt with the family. So adapt is everywhere. There is no uh, uh, condition, there is no uh, circumstance in which adapt is uh, is not applicable. That's so interesting, you know, because when Mustafa and I were thinking about, you know, Dr. Rajab, he's, he's an ocean of an individual. What do we talk to him about? What should the topic of this podcast be? We thought of the idea of why learn. So basically, you're telling us that we learn to have adab. Yes, yes. Uh, so you learn to upgrade your adab, you know, uh, and the and the outcome uh, of knowledge is uh, adab. Uh, so, uh, like, why do you learn? You know, you learn because you want to have a, have a good etiquette with Allah and with your uh, uh, with your Creator. And uh, you want to know uh, what uh, do I need to do to have adapt with uh, Allah? You know what's considered uh, to be appropriate? You know in my relationship with uh, Allah Taala, uh, and adapt has external and internal uh, aspects uh, of it. Uh, so you have to learn the external adapt, like uh, how you act physically, and also the internal adapt, how you should think and how you should feel uh, so you exercise your will to control your body as well as your uh, your your heart your mind uh, especially with Allah Ta'ala the internal adapt is very uh, important uh, first of all you must know your creator this part of adapt and you must love your creator And you must appreciate everything he gives uh, to you, and uh, you must show uh, respect to even the small things you know he gives uh, to you. Uh, and you should never forget him. You know, uh, so you can compare this adab uh, with Allah uh, to the uh, adab of a uh, uh, of a guest with the host mm. uh, so let's say you are in a house and everything is prepared for you your host is taking care of you very well he prepared nice meal for you you know a uh, nice uh, room everything uh, so is it good uh, etiquette that you ignore the host you know you forget that uh, you are a guest there and uh, you don't thank the things your host offers uh, to you so we are guests of Allah Ta'ala in this uh, earth right mm. uh, so the etiquette requires that we never forget our host who's Allah Ta'ala and we appreciate his generosity uh, to us so, uh, uh, so uh, uh, absence of gratefulness to Allah Ta'ala this is bad adab you know uh, bad etiquette and also forgetting him Mm. You know, ghaflet uh, is also bad adab. You know, Dr. Jab, this is so interesting because, you know, coming from the West, you, you learn so you can have what, Mustafa, at the end of the day? A job. A job. So you can get money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Intellectual enlightenment. And so then someone will employ me. And, and that's what this learning process is to me. So this concept of connecting why I'm learning to my relationship with Allah and the relationship with the world around me is actually mostly divorced from from that and I was, yeah I was gonna say myself like as a you know as a as a as a Muslim you can understand that in a spiritual context especially in you know upbringing in like a, in a mahad type situation but how do we apply that to higher learning uh, there is a well-known uh, sociologist his name is uh, Max Weber uh, so he has two uh, famous articles one is titled science as vocation The other is titled Politics as Vocation. Mm. So there he discusses uh, how science uh, can be exercised as vocation. 
vocation uh, it's a christian uh, uh, concept uh, it means uh, something you do because of a divine call mm. as if god asks you to do something so you have a call you know this term call is also in a christian and you feel this you know inside of your heart that you are called by god you know uh, to do uh, something and uh, what you do is called vocation so it's not vacation vocation with o v o c a t i o n vocation we don't take vacations this is we don't know anything vocation. about <laughs> so uh, so weber gave these two conferences after uh, first world war Uh, after the defeat of the uh, Germans, uh, looking at the context, uh, you understand that uh, basically he was saying, you know, we are not doing uh, science as vocation. We are not doing politics as vocation. We are doing them as job mm-hmm. to make money, mm-hmm. to make a career. That's why we lost the uh, First World War. Mm. Uh, I mean, mm. this is what you conclude from the context. He's right. not saying this directly. Of course. You know, uh, so he's uh, basically he's saying, you know, uh, in the past, Germans used to do science as vocation, mm. you know, not for money. Right. You know, uh, they they were doing it as a sacred, you know, uh, duty, uh, and uh, they were doing uh, politics as a sacred uh, duty as a vocation. Uh, and he says because of the secularization you know uh, this kind of uh, meaning attached to the uh, scientific activity to the political activity is lost mm. uh, and you cannot reverse the uh, process so we cannot become religious people anymore and he was asking whether in the secular world uh, we can attach some transcendental meaning to science and politics uh, to turn them into secular vocations mm. so that people are more motivated mm. uh, to do these things uh, so so he realized uh, that uh, 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 motivating people to have a better job mm-hmm. to have more money to have a higher status in the career uh, is not enough You know, to uh, motivate them you know, uh, to do a better job uh, uh, because uh, it is aimed to some particular you know, practical uh, goal mm-hmm. and once you achieved it, it's over. Right. But this is not enough. Uh, uh, so actually, this is very important uh, you know, uh, problem uh, today. Uh, so the uh, Islamic motivation system is very different than the Uh, secular motivation uh, system. So one day I was giving a talk to uh, students. I told them that uh, uh, you know learning is uh, so sacred. Uh, we should not uh, use it to aggrandize ourselves, to inflate our ego. Our purpose should not be you know to be uh, superior mm-hmm. over others. Mm-hmm. Our purpose should not be. Uh, proving that I am better than uh, others. Uh, so I said, uh, you know, this type of approach is wrong. Uh, then uh, after a week, one of the students came back to me. He said, Professor, I used to work to be number one in my class, you know, uh, to prove myself to my professors and my classmates and to become the best student in the class. After your talk, I lost my motivation. Why should I study? <laughs> Why? So, <laughs> Why should I learn yeah. anymore? So, Why learn? You know, <laughs> so he said, "Please motivate me. <laughs> Please motivate me." So what did you? Uh, what was your what reply? Yeah. So I told them, you know, uh, now uh, you uh, study to prove yourself to God, you know, to prove yourself to your uh, Creator, not to other uh, mortal human beings. Yeah. Uh, so just you know, uh, disregard. You know uh, their uh, appreciation or criticism. You know, uh, focus on uh, your creator's uh, appreciation. Uh, so just do everything with ikhlas. You know, with pure intention to please uh, Allah Taala with your uh, actions. And then I told him, like uh, studying any subject is fard kifaya, mm. you know, a communal obligation. Any discipline, 
any discipline. I mean, it could be like uh, genetical engineering to uh, law, to communication, whatever, whatever, any discipline is fard kifaya. I mean, it's a communal obligation to uh, raise the best experts in any existing field over uh, Muslims. And Imam Ghazali in his Ihya al-Umuddin, he uh, uh, sets this very clearly. He says it's fard kifaya on the uh, Muslim community to raise the best expert in every field. Otherwise, Muslims become dependent on non-Muslims. So it's very interesting uh, statement uh, uh, because he says like if the best doctor is a non-Muslim, then all the Muslims line up at his door. You know, if the best finance expert is a non-Muslim, all the Muslim governments and states will line up at his uh, door. And like if the best engineers are non-Muslims, then you know Muslims will become dependent uh, on 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 him, right? Uh, so. Uh, this is this uh, this worldly outcome uh, of it. Uh, so this is like one. This is the second way of motivating uh, people. So first, gaining pleasure of Allah Taala with ikhlas, you know, uh, because it is the fard kifaya. Uh, and then second, uh, it is political consequence or economic consequence or cultural uh, consequence in this uh, world. Uh, uh, so if uh, any uh, uh, young man or woman, you know, wants to contribute, you know, to the well-being, you know, of his uh, community, uh, should uh, make the community independent mm -hmm. uh, of uh, other people by becoming the best uh, in his field. Uh, and sometimes I ask my students, I ask them, which one is better, religiously speaking, going to Umrah? or studying your lessons. You know, then I have like different answers and usually they tend to say Umrah is better mm -hmm. than uh, studying. Mm -hmm. Then I ask them, what's the hukum you know, for Umrah? They say Sunnah. And I say, what's the hukum of studying the subject <laughs> you are studying? They say Fard Kifaya. Mm. Then I ask them, which one is better, Fard Kifaya or the Sunnah? Mm. Right? Mm. So Fard Kifaya is better. And then I tell them, that's why I am here because I am fulfilling my fard kifaya and that's why you should be here and studying because this is the uh, fard kifaya. This is so interesting, doctor. So basically what you're saying to me is, uh, you know, if I'm in the United States or Europe and I'm working my nine to five job, I'm in my cube that I used to be in for countless hours a day for years on end. Stop reminiscing. <laughs> I'm reminiscing right now, you know, pushing buttons on my computer that if I'm doing this for the right reasons, internal reasons, that it can actually help in my relationship with Allah? Because that's a major gap that we have sort of in the West. I mean, many of us in the West, you know, feel that unless we're working directly for Islam or doing something that is, you know, in the religious paradigm, then I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing any real service. Yeah, we compartmentalize our worlds. We have our secular world where we go and work to earn a living, to support our families. And then when we get off work, we go and we do religion. Oh, yeah. you go to the halaqa, you go to the dars. But there's not this notion that there can be symbiosis and we can do both at the same time, yes, I think, generally yes. speaking. Yeah, first of all, let's not uh, compartmentalize our world as Western Islam. You know? uh, uh, so, uh, I mean, like we are Western people, mm -hmm. You know, uh, and uh, uh, Islam is a Western religion, and Islamic civilization is a Western civilization, because if you consult any history of religion book, they divide uh, religions into two groups, Eastern religions and Western religions. Western religions are also called Abrahamic religions. Uh, so Abrahamic religions or Western religions include Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, right? Uh, so if Islam is a Western religion, how come uh, Islamic civilization is an Eastern civilization, right? <laughs> so, uh, but in order to other, in order to other uh, Muslims, so they started like calling them uh, non-Western. Uh, actually, it's something new. Uh, I have one PhD uh, student, he wrote a PhD on how 
this East and West uh, division uh, emerged in 19th century and how Muslims internalized this East-West division and how they uh, internalized seeing themselves as Easterners. Uh, so it's completely, uh, 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 you know, uh, questionable. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that is important that this conversation comes out of Istanbul because right. you're literally in the center of the world in a city that's both East and West, Absolutely. just geographically, like Istanbul is split. You go to Europe across the Bosphorus and right. you're in Asia, in Asia across the Bosphorus. So you are the quintessential yeah. uh, example uh, yeah, of, the, of yes, the combination uh, of the two. Uh, actually, like uh, who said, uh, you know, uh, crossing the Bosphorus, you know, like Üsküdar is the East. You know, right. So who, who said this? You know, uh, and uh, so these are all relative uh, things, you know. That we've uh, just taken for granted. Mm. Uh, and uh, like you go to... You know, uh, other side, you become Western, European. and then you come to uh, <laughs> Iskidar, you become uh, Eastern. Uh, see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, we, I mean, even if you use these terms, we should know that these are uh, constructions and they are uh, relative things. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, uh, for convenience, uh, you can uh, use them, but never take them uh, so seriously. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the, your question is very important, uh, uh, you know, compartmentalizing uh, life into religion and job. Mm. Uh, so Islamically speaking, you know, uh, uh, this is not uh, acceptable because our life is our religion and our religion is our life. So no difference you know, uh, between the two. Uh, one day uh, I had some visitors from America these are like some Christian and Jewish uh, scholars. Uh, uh, so they came to question me, why people turn to Islam uh, in America and in uh, Europe? Uh, if it's for spirituality, they say, uh, we have spirituality in Christianity, we have spirituality in Judaism, we have mysticism. Uh, uh, so why they turn uh, to Islam? Mm. What's the difference? So my answer was to them, Islam sacralizes human life from A to Z. Mm -hmm. uh, so like your marriage, your sexual life, your commercial life, your job, you know, uh, everything becomes a sacred act. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so, but this is what Christianity and uh, Judaism uh, if, uh, doesn't do all the time. I mean, of course, in their origin, this exists, but they lost, you know, uh, as we discussed in Weber's, you know, uh, when we talked about Weber's uh, article, is, right. so they lost the uh, sense of you know, uh, doing science as vocation. They lost the sense of doing politics as vocation and actually doing uh, everything as vocation doing everything as a divine call. Uh, in uh, Turkish, we use uh, a word for job. Uh, it's uh, meslek. meslek. The word meslek comes from suluk. suluk. Uh, so let's say your meslek is teacher, your meslek is you know, shopkeeper, your meslek is driver. It comes from suluk. And you know, seyr suluk, uh, it's a spiritual journey to gain pleasure of uh, Allah Ta'ala. And the uh, Sufi disciple is called Salik. Salik, you know. Uh, so uh, in, in Turkish, we have two uh, words. Uh, uh, one means job. Uh, the other means uh, vocation, which is meslek, directly related with the, you know, uh, tasawuf uh, approach. So this is my meslek, that means this is my way, this is my path, you know, to reach to the uh, pleasure uh, of Allah Ta'ala. So uh, this is how you call your job. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so my meslek is serving as a teacher. So that means, you know, I will gain pleasure of Allah Ta'ala by uh, serving uh, in this uh, career. Uh, so this, uh, uh, includes all types of uh, jobs and professions and everything. Which is, which is so interesting, again, you know, 
just juxtaposing that to where we are now in Istanbul and Üsküdar, as I'm walking around Üsküdar or as I'm walking around Istanbul, I see these water fountains, you know, where the Ottomans used to go and take their water from, which some of them, many of them are still working. I see local people in my neighborhood going there. And above that, I will see an ayah from the Quran. That from water, we made everything alive, we gave life to everything. So it's this amazing connection in this society that even my going to get water to take a bath or to drink from is reminding me that this is from Allah. Yes. And I haven't personally seen that in any society other than this rich traditional society that we see here in Istanbul and in Turkey. And you you, talk, you talked about something, Dr. Jibba, that I think we need to touch on here. I mean, you, you brought in the, the, the Sufi Sadiq, the, the, the Sufi mm-hmm. that you know takes a path. Here in Istanbul, my one and a half years being here, I haven't come across uh, people of extremism uh, or people of very you know foreign ideologies, and I've sort of attributed that to the fact of tasawwuf or Sufism or ihsan, tazkiyah, spiritual purification, is like built in to the society. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, uh, actually, you touched on a very important point. Uh, the goal of education is to uh, elevate people to the level of ihsan. You know, in Islamic education, that's the uh, purpose of uh, education, you know, uh, elevating the students to the level of uh, ihsan. It means, you know, as you know, ihsan, and, uh, you live as though you see Allah. Uh, so some people may think I made a mistake in my translation because in the hadith it says, Allah I did not say you worship as though you see Allah. I said, you live as though you see uh, Allah. So because uh, ibadah uh, covers a Muslim's life all completely. Aspect, all aspects of life. In a, uh, as we discussed before, right. like everything you do is ibadah. You know, actually, uh, like uh, one day uh, I was discussing with a scholar. So in one of the books, he says uh, a person spent all his life with ibadah, with worship. Uh, so students have difficulty in understanding, you know, how come he spent all his life with ibadah? Didn't he do anything else? Didn't he sleep? Didn't he eat? You know, uh, didn't he do anything else? Uh, but the scholar explained uh, to the students that he turned everything mubah into ibadah with niya saliha, mm. with good uh, intention. So what counts is your intention. Mm. Uh, it is not what you physically uh, do. Uh, so because Allah Ta'ala looks at the hearts. Uh, so your intention uh, turns anything which is uh, like a maybe secular activity you know, into uh, an act of uh, worship because you did with good uh, intention uh, to serve uh, other people and serving the creation you know, is part of the adab mm-hmm. uh, with Allah. Because if you have good etiquette with uh, Allah, uh, you love the things he created and you serve them. This is part of the etiquette with uh, Allah. So you never disdain something Allah created. Mm. You, know? you never uh, 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 like ignore the needs of the creatures uh, of Allah, Ta'ala, whether it's a plant or an animal or a poor uh, person, uh, because uh, uh, disdaining or uh, neglecting or ignoring them uh, is at the same time ignoring, disdaining their creator. So really, someone who's living a life like this, you could say he could be the greatest environmentalist on earth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because uh, this is, you know, uh, uh, as I said, Islam sacralizes in everything we do, including our study. Uh, so our like first question, why learn? Right? Yeah. Because, because it's an act of worship, and it's one of the best act of uh, worship. Uh, and uh, this is why, you know, uh, you have to uh, learn. And I believe that, uh, you know, uh, uh, learning is fulfilling the purpose of creation. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the purpose for which we are created is learn. 
Dr. Rajab, you know, we're talking about why learn, and we know you have a student population that isn't entirely Muslim. You have people of other faith backgrounds. So how is this message received by them? Is this the same message that you're delivering to people of other faith backgrounds as well? Yes. Uh, I mean, like uh, in, uh, I always uh, remind them that, uh, you know, uh, we should do science as vocation. Because the word vocation is common to Christians and Muslims and other uh, you know uh, mm. uh, 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 religions and uh, and I tell them you know uh, the academic activity should not be uh, carried on only to make a living. You have to have some transcendental you know meaning mm. and purpose when you uh, study or do academic uh, study. How do they uh, receive this message? I think it is uh, well received uh, because uh, uh, this uh, purpose does not exclude uh, the uh, uh, the practical uh, outcome of education. Because I'm not telling them don't uh, uh, don't have any job, don't make any money, don't pursue your uh, career. You know, uh, but it is subdued. You know, it's put in the service of this higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, goal and higher uh, meaning and is universal mm-hmm. uh, so I'm telling them uh, have some higher goal you know, uh, which will bring you uh, uh, fulfillment you know in your heart and mind uh, and uh, no one can object uh, to this uh, so as Muslims we have our own way of having a higher goal uh, and attaching a higher meaning to what we are uh, doing I believe everyone uh, should do it, whether uh, religious or uh, secular. Uh, even the atheist you know, uh, can have this kind of a higher goal, a higher purpose for his own uh, existence and life, and uh, may attach some, you know, uh, some meaning to what he's doing beyond just filling the stomach mm. uh, and making uh, some money. Uh, so it's you know uh, uh, so far I haven't met anybody who disagrees uh, with this uh, kind of thing uh, because as human beings uh, uh, we need uh, some meaning you know for our uh, lives uh, uh, because this is what differentiates us you know from uh, like animals and other creatures so we cannot live simply to fill our stomach as Jesus said man doesn't live on bread <laughs> you know, uh, so we have some we, we need to have something higher uh, uh, higher than this uh, so today uh, there are two motivational systems uh, one is motivating the students through uh, some practical gains like having better career becoming uh, more famous and well known and having more power and uh, having a nice image mm-hmm. or a status in a social uh, status so these are the, these are like some practical ways of motivating people uh, what i'm saying does not exclude these things hmm. but changes your uh, view uh, on these things uh, because you study you learn you make money anyway hmm. but your purpose is not to make money it's a side product Uh, you make a career, but your purpose is not to make career. You know, it's a side uh, product. Like all these things, they are uh, subdued uh, uh, to this higher goal, which is gaining the pleasure uh, of uh, Allah Taala. And I believe uh, this motivates people more than uh, making money. You know, more than having a n- nice image more than having power you know to control uh, mm-hmm. uh, other people that's a, you know it's a great point because i'll tell you you know as long as i worked in the it industry and in the technical industry alhamdulillah by allah's rahmah we were making good money but you always felt that there was still this emptiness and most of i know shall you so many offers to do so many filmmaking documentary films but It wasn't until you were doing things for the sake of Allah that you felt something inside your heart being fulfilled, right, Mustafa? Yeah, absolutely. Can't can't separate myself from it. So and, that, and the more I tried, the more difficult it became. But then there is a subtle point. Uh, uh, I mean, you do something, and then uh, you get some worldly gains, you know, out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, this brings uh, the following question to mind: uh, Why am I doing this? Is it because the money I am making out of it, or 
still I am doing this for the sake of Allah. Uh, so it's easy to differentiate. So you ask yourself whether you are going to continue doing this if they stop paying to you, uh, or you'll still continue doing this. Let's say you are a professor, you know, you are teaching young people. So if they don't pay you, are you still going to teach the young people? Then that means you are not doing it uh, to make uh, money. Mm -hmm. You are doing it uh, for the sake of Allah. Mm, this is beautiful. And but, but if you stop teaching, oh, that means, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you are just uh, rationalizing. You know, you are uh, just, uh, you know, uh, producing some uh, nice discourse. Uh, about it and also this is uh, a very evil act you know uh, this is hypocrisy mm. uh, like inside your heart you know you have some different intention but outside you are saying oh I am doing it for the sake of Allah but inside you are not really doing it for the sake of Allah you are doing it for the sake of money uh, and uh, so that, because there is no ikhlas you know, uh, which requires adab Dr. Rajab, you're probably one of the, if not the busiest man uh, or men I know. And so I want to take advantage of this limited time that we have with you. You're a president of a university, mashallah, a very successful, well-known university. I have a lot of friends in the States or across Europe who decide that they want to go into higher education and learning and take their PhDs. They enter and they find that they're starting to, how do I say, um, lose some of that spiritual uh, taste and there ends up becoming like a dryness inside them. And they often complain to me about this. What advice do you have to these individuals? Uh, f first of all, uh, they must attach you know, uh, this meaning, uh, which we talked about, to their activity. So why they are uh, involved in academic activity. What's their purpose with it? And they should uh, change you know, their uh, intention uh, to ibadah, uh, that they're carrying on this academic activity as a worship uh, you know, for the sake of uh, Allah Ta'ala, uh, solely to gain his uh, pleasure. So I think this is the most important thing. Uh, uh, and uh, this is considered the first adept you know, in Islamic uh, educational system, Islamic uh, pedagogy. So it's the first thing teachers teach their students, like to have ikhlas. Uh, when, when you start studying, have ikhlas, you know, study only for the sake of uh, Allah Ta'ala, because they say, you know, knowledge is sacred. It should not be instrumentalized for any egoistic uh, or materialistic uh, gain. Uh, you must, you have to keep it something like sacred, high. Uh, there are certain things that should not be treated as commodity. You know, uh, they should not be treated as a subject of economic uh, interest. Uh, so, uh, so this is how you approach ilm. You know, uh, and anything uh, we study and learn is ilm. You know, uh, but of course uh, there's a hierarchy in ilm. You know, like let's say studying Quran has the highest honor, you know, uh, and then some other things may have less so, but they are all ibadah for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, so this is the first thing. And the second adab uh, with uh, uh, learning and education is the intention of using this knowledge to serve other people. You know, uh, so this is also very uh, important, you know, with the knowledge of using what you learn to serve the creatures, uh, creation of uh, Allah Ta'ala, uh, then you have some fulfillment, some meaning to what you are uh, doing. Let's say you are studying medicine, you know, and your intention is to make, you know, uh, big uh, money. So this, of course, this is going to bring dryness you know, to your heart. But if your intention is to serve like ill people, patient people, you know, uh, to treat them, to heal them. Uh, so with this purpose, uh, uh, you gain the pleasure of uh, Allah Ta'ala. And then, you know, uh, what you do gives you pleasure. You know, uh, because uh, you're not just running after uh, making uh, some money. 
Of course you make some money uh, while uh, doing this. As I said, you know, it does not exclude it. Uh, look at the life of Sahabis. You know, they had the purest intention. Everything they did, they did only for the sake of Allah. But they were the most successful group in the world. You know, uh, in a few decades, they dominated, you know, the, the largest portion of the known world at that time. See, ikhlas doesn't make you ascetic. You know, ikhlas makes you get involved more in the world and ikhlas is the secret of success. Uh, by disdaining the world, you control the world. But how do you keep these things in check? So, I, I, you know, again, some of these students are talking to me. They're doing their PhDs in Islamic studies, you know, and, and, and they're having these difficulties. And these are, these are great concepts to go into and, and to have in mind. But what advice would you have for people to keep themselves in check? Yes. And then the third adept, which is the answer of uh, your question. I should have showed adept. Practicing. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry, I apologize. No. Your adept is to ask questions. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, like, uh, our teachers always used to teach us that, you know, if you don't ask questions, this is bad adept. Mm. You know, good adept is asking uh, the question. Also, good adept is questioning. Uh, because uh, the questions uh, and the questioning uh, makes uh, his uh, job easier to teach mm. and shows you are understanding and learning <laughs> rather than like <laughs> keeping it uh, silent. Uh, uh, so the, the, one of the adept of learning is to practice what you learn yourself. Uh, so if those people who are in the uh, like Islamic studies practice what they learn, then they're not going to uh, feel dryness. Uh, in uh, themselves, uh, so like we are studying Quran, you are studying Hadith, but the, uh, if you uh, study them as subjects, just to make, uh, just to get some, you know, uh, grades to pass, uh, so this is very different than, you know, uh, learn them to practice them. Uh, so it's a very different uh, approach to it. Uh, so somebody in particular in Islamic studies you know, uh, practices what uh, he learns, then uh, this will remove you know, uh, from his heart uh, you know, uh, this uh, dryness. Uh, what brings uh, tenderness to one's heart is uh, practicing what he learns mm. and also using it to serve uh, other people sharing it with uh, other people. Otherwise, if one does not practice what he learns and uh, doesn't have this intention of uh, you know, serving other people and sharing uh, his knowledge with uh, other people, this hardens mm. one's uh, heart uh, uh, and it becomes like a counterproductive. Uh, uh, I call this uh, paradox of happiness. Mm -hmm. You know, you try to make other people happy, then they become happy and you become happy. Mm. But if you think, uh, why should I try to make other people happy? I should just focus on my own happiness. Mm. This makes you unhappy and other people unhappy. Mm. Uh, so uh, like uh, readiness to sacrifice your happiness brings you uh, happiness and satisfaction uh, to your heart. Uh, uh, so there are like three etiquettes in uh, learning in the traditional Islamic uh, uh, education. One is uh, having this higher goal. And, uh, the second uh, intention to uh, serve with your education to the crea creation of Allah Ta'ala. And the third one is to put it in uh, practice rather than just intellectual exercise, you know, uh, just uh, having knowledge uh, you know, to show off to uh, other people or to using it for some egoistic uh, purposes. Yeah, I felt that sometimes, you know, you know, having knowledge that's not practiced, sometimes there's this, uh, there's this mental boost, like, oh, uh, you know, there's a, you get so happy that you have this information, but you're not practicing this information. So what good is it at the yeah, end of the day? Yeah, it's a, you know, uh, the, the biggest pleasure for uh, human beings is learning something uh, because the uh, animal pleasures that we have, you know, like uh, bodily desires and pleasures, we share them with animals. Mm. 
So there's no difference between us and animals in enjoying some nice food. You know, like a, a lion also enjoys a nice prey, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Or a cow enjoys nice grass. So we enjoy nice food uh, similar uh, to them. But one thing uh, we uh, enjoy, they cannot enjoy, is learning new things. Mm -hmm. You know, discovering uh, new things uh, through uh, reasoning and uh, intellect. Uh, so this gives uh, great joy and pleasure to uh, human beings. Uh, but uh, it should not stop there. Uh, so the joy of learning, uh, the joy of uh, understanding and discovering uh, new things should have some goal, hmm. uh, some uh, some purpose. Uh, uh, because uh, after that, it loses its meaning. Uh, then uh, people say, "Okay, why should I learn? You know, why should I study? Uh, because." This pleasure is not enough to mm. uh, motivate them to make sacrifice to learn more because uh, uh, other pleasures may compete and defeat uh, this uh, pleasure. But if you have a higher goal uh, and uh, like having a higher goal is what uh, sets human beings, you know, uh, apart from like other animals, uh, so they cannot have a higher goal, you know. Uh, so human beings have a higher goal and they are ready to sacrifice their, you know, uh, pleasures uh, to be able to reach uh, to this uh, higher goal. Uh, so simply pleasure of learning is not enough. Uh, but uh, today they try to motivate people, you know, uh, like you feel good. Hmm. Like you will learn this, you feel good. You will show you can do it. That's the goal. Uh, yeah, that's the goal. But it's not enough you know, uh, hmm. to really motivate. Uh, and also uh, the whole motivational system in the modern world is based on uh, more money. Like you'll make more money. So it's how they motivate uh, people. Uh, and, uh, and the motivation system, you know, uh, is based on uh, what you call like nefs amara. Uh, like lower nefs or ap uh, appetitive uh, nefs, uh, you know, desires for like more money, fame, you know, power, uh, etc. Uh, but this type of uh, knowledge in the service of nefs amara becomes destructive mm. rather than uh, constructive. Because uh, uh, if the person at the level of nefs amara has knowledge, Knowledge means power, so that means he's going to use this uh, power in the service of nefs amara, mm. you know, uh, his ego, you know, uh, to make more money, to control other people, to exercise power uh, over other people. So that's why in the Islamic uh, education system, they never give knowledge to people at the level of nefs amara, because uh, it's like giving a weapon. Uh, to the uh, hands of a criminal. But who would, who would make that decision? How would that happen? The, who, who, who would be able to see that uh, this person is not ready for this knowledge? Because the teacher. Mm. Because the teacher uh, uh, will know this. Uh, because uh, 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 Islamic education is not just you know, uh, academic education. It is not only trying to raise IQ, you know, or you know, uh, t uh, teach uh, you know uh, some uh, practical uh, knowledge, but at the same time, morality, adept together. As I said uh, in the beginning, you know, uh, these two things they are never separated from uh, each other, and actually, this is borrowed from the uh, pedagogy or education method of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu because in the Quran. Uh, it is clearly mentioned several times. So he makes talim you know, uh, of the book and the uh, uh, knowledge, but at the same time, tezkiyah. So two terms, talim and tezkiyah. Talim means, you know, uh, like rational education, and tezkiyah means spiritual education, moral education, purification purification uh, of the heart. I say sometimes uh, heart wash. <laughs> heart wash. <laughs> <laughs> car wash, car wash. Yeah, yeah. So they, they say like brain wash. 
Heart wash. I say heart wash, <laughs> right? like washing the heart from all ill uh, feelings. Uh, so, uh, so talim and tazkiyah. So this is how Prophet Muhammad educated the Sahabis, and, and then the Sahabis, the Tabi'in. So every generation was educated uh, by uh, coupling the method of talim and tazkiyah, you know, uh, knowledge education and spiritual education mm. or moral mm. education, character education uh, together until we reached modern times. In modern times, we have only ta'alim. Yes. No tezkiyah. Mm. You know, so this is big problem in uh, in education. Uh, even in the Muslim countries, because they copied their educational system you know, uh, from, uh, from the Western uh, countries, the focus is only on uh, ta'alim, you know, transferring academic knowledge. The acquisition. Uh, yeah. uh, transferring uh, practical uh, no- knowledge. Uh, but Tezke is not there. So that's why, you know, uh, we have a, a moral problem uh, in the Muslim uh, countries. Uh, why? Because Tezke is absent in the educational uh, system. Uh, so students rely on like general culture mm. because there is nothing offered in the educational system. So uh, traditionally, uh, even in uh, practical uh, professions, uh, spiritual education, moral education was combined with the professional uh, education. Uh, so the apprentice, you know, when he uh, started working with a master, the master was responsible to teaching this uh, art or profession as well as educating morally. So uh, after the students passed uh, Nafsil Amara, then he gave him the knowledge. Uh, And uh, for every profession, there was a sheikh. Sheikh of shoemakers, sheikh of blacksmith, (laughs) you know, uh, sheikh of carpenters. Mm -hmm. So they were like all organized like Sufi tariqat, you know. Uh, And the uh, the sheikh had the uh, best uh, skills in this profession, as well as as well as the highest level of spirituality mm-hmm. and morality in that uh, profession. So the two went together in this practical, uh, you know, vocational uh, education, uh, and the same thing in the academic education in the madrasa. Same thing uh, continued, uh, so talim and tezkiyah uh, to, uh, together. Dr. Rajab, this is extremely enlightening and at the same time a bit daunting uh, for those of us who maybe spent the majority of our lives not thinking in this paradigm, um, not having grown up having adab first and tarbiyah first and maybe not having a teacher or a mentor or a master to study under. So for those of us who have maybe come up grown up in, in, in that fashion, what are some practical steps for us now with this knowledge to start implementing some of these things in our lives? Yes. So this is a very American question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which button you press to get it done? <laughs> Give me the secret sauce, Dr. Rajam. <laughs> just some salt I can sprinkle on yeah, and just have it by yeah. magic. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, uh, Islamic education is customized to every individual. So there isn't like a general educational system to uh, everybody. So in our like madrasa system, and then also the Sufi, uh, you know, Tezkiyah uh, education, every student is treated separately. Uh, so there isn't like a general, you know, uh, one for all uh, solution uh, for this. So every individual's condition must be evaluated uh, differently by uh, his or her, you know, teacher, yeah. uh, uh, taking into account, you know, uh, his uh, like uh, appetite, skills, circumstances, and then should be given uh, guidance. Uh, uh, so this uh, customized, individualized education, one-to-one education, continued until we borrowed uh, from Europe. This uh, mass education in big classroom. <laughs> uh, so in the Ottoman like educational system in the madrasa and also the uh, Sufi lodge, the uh, tekke, you know, uh, one-to-one education uh, all the time. So 
uh, once I was talking to a, 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 a very old uh, sheikh, you know, uh, he told me that uh, when he was young, he was teaching students uh, from uh, after Salat al-Fajr until Salat al-Isha. I asked him, how many students you had? He said, I had 30 of them. I said, why didn't you give a lecture after Salat al-Fajr and then go home and sleep? And then he laughed. <laughs> he said, this is modernist education. Uh, so he said, like, he was sitting with every student individually and separately and teaching. Uh, I said, like, why did you have to, like, separate them? He said, you know, because their uh, levels of uh, understanding, intelligence, pace are different. So if you put them in one class, this is injustice. Mm. You know, this is injustice. Uh, like if you uh, arrange level of teaching according to the best ones, you are doing injustice to lesser ones. Mm. If you arrange to the uh, you know uh, less intelligent ones, you are doing injustice to the smarter ones. Uh, so best thing is to teach them uh, separately. But uh, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, today uh, education system is turned into business, you know, uh, so uh, they look at the cost uh, of it. Uh, so put in one class, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then, and also the purpose is not to educate good human beings. The purpose is to indoctrinate them, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, give them some indoctrination, you know, uh, so, the purpose is very, uh, uh, very different. And also the purpose of students have also changed because their purpose is not to learn how to become good human beings, but their purpose is to get a degree, you know, which will uh, bring them a job uh, afterwards. Uh, uh, so the parameters uh, have changed mm -hmm. uh, today. But as I said, the purpose of uh, Islamic education is to elevate the student, you know, uh, from uh, f from this uh, like nafsi amara to ihsan, uh, ihsan, so that he lives his life as though he sees uh, uh, Allah Taala, and also to elevate from taklid to tahqiq, mm. you know, from imitation to uh, realization, you know. Uh, so the, the, this uh, this uh, imitation. Like students imitate, you know, uh, big ideas. You know, their uh, professors, instructors in the beginning. Uh, so the purpose of education is to uh, bring the uh, student to the level of critical thinking and having their own ideas. Mm. This is called tahqiq, you know, uh, verification and realization of, you know. Uh, so if you have an idea, it should be based on your own evidence. You know, why do you accept this idea? It's not. It should not be because your teacher told you uh, that way. So this is called taklit. You know, you are imitating your professor. You know, your uh, your instructor. But when you say I accept this idea because of these reasons, so you have your own reasons. So that's the purpose of education, and this is in ilm al kalam, in fiqh, in tasawuf, in all uh, disciplines. So critical mind critical thinking and independence. You know, uh, I translate this uh, in modern terms, intellectual independence. So ihsan is intellectual independence. And uh, because you're no longer imitating anybody, you have your own reasons to have your own ideas. And also uh, <coughs> the purpose of education uh, requires independence from nafs, independence from shaitan as well. Because if your intellect is controlled by your nafs, you are not uh, intellectually independent. You know, uh, you, you are servant of your passions, your desires, you know, your evil desires, and you are using your intellect, uh, you know, to serve your uh, animal desires or evil uh, desires. So this is not intellectual independence. Mm. Uh, so ihsan, ihsan requires tahqiq, and tahqiq means, you know, uh, intellectual independence rationally as well as spiritually you know uh, so uh, if one one's mind and heart is not spiritually independent you know uh, controlled by desires and passions he cannot think in a healthy manner 
so you see like very smart people, but their uh, mind is controlled by you know, by their uh, nafs, mm-hmm. by their ego, by their uh, the desire to make uh, more money. You know, uh, then this is uh, very uh, dangerous. But at the same time, you know, today, you know, there is another uh, dimension to this intellectual independence. Uh, so, like, first is rational independence, second is spiritual independence, and the third, independence from media. You know, uh, you media guys, you hijack our minds. You hijack our minds. You, know, you hijack our hearts. You know, uh, you uh, make us think the way you want us to think. Mm-hmm. You know, when someone's computer is hijacked, what happens? The computer gets comments from another source, you know, the computer is not acting the way the owner is. It's not acting uh, on its own behalf yes. anymore. So like somebody else, like, so human being become also the same way. Mm. So like, yeah, today, you know, those like, people who make fashion, mm-hmm. those people like who own the uh, multinational media uh, corporations, you know, they hijack our minds and brains and, you know, hearts. So. Uh, they make us uh, think the way they want, feel the way uh, they want, act the way uh, they, they want. So it's a, uh, so uh, I think we need to uh, free you know uh, our minds and hearts from uh, getting hijacked. So like we have antivirus for our computer, but you know we need antivirus for our brains <laughs> so, so doctor would, would you say that for someone to be independent they initially need to be dependent on someone who is independent <laughs> so like uh, this is the reason why one should learn you know uh, one should learn to become independent of the uh, multinational media corporations, you know, uh, uh, also his uh, e- his nephew's uh, ego, you know, so that he can independently think, you know, uh, by himself for uh, himself, uh, and then make his choice and way uh, based on his own reasons, you know. Uh, uh, so this is what Islam, you know. Uh, uh, aims in the uh, education. Uh, some people don't understand this. They think religious education is like indoctrination, but Islamic education is just the opposite. Uh, because uh, you know, uh, let's say you study ilmi kalam, like theology. Uh, there is uh, what I call methodological atheism. You know, methodological atheism or uh, methodological skepticism. Skepticism. So, uh, like, uh, they say, suppose that there is no God, how do you prove? You know, mm-hmm. suppose that, pro- how do you know Prophet Muhammad is really a prophet? You know, how do you know uh, Quran is God's book? So it's like methodological atheism, you know, methodological skepticism, you know, uh, and this even exists in the Quran. You know, uh, so look at the story of uh, uh, Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. You know, he says, oh, maybe the sun is God. You know, maybe mm. uh, the star is God. Mm. <laughs> you know, so this is methodological skepticism, methodological atheism. Uh, uh, so there's a difference between denying and questioning uh, and uh, doubting. Mm. You know, uh, questioning is not denying. That's why there's no problem in questioning. Actually, questioning is better because through questioning, you uh, get elevated from the level of taqli to taqiq, from imitating other people uh, uh, to the level of accepting something with your own reasons. And questions and doubts help you move, you know, from this level to this uh, level. And it's used in the Quran. You know, like, لَوْ كَانَ فِيهِمَا آلِهَةٌ لَفَسَدَتَا so Allah says, if, you know, uh, let's suppose that we accept there are more gods than one. What's going to happen? See this in the Quran. You know, so this is like methodologically mm. using uh, this doubt and then answering and uh, dealing with this. So this is, you know, uh, it's part of the uh, Islamic education in ilmi kalam, in fiqh, in tasawwuf. Uh, 
you know, to critically uh, analyze everything. And the most critical-minded people are Hadith scholars. You know, because they critically analyze the Senate, the, every uh, narrator, uh, everything. So they're not like naive. You know, if somebody presents them, oh, this is what Prophet Muhammad said, they are going to uh, accept it right no. away. No. You know, uh, they, right, they, look they very uh, uh, analyze everything and uh, critically. Mm. So, you know, uh, uh, so th this is the reason why we should study and learn, you know, to have this critical mind, you know, uh, to uh, reach from taklid to uh, uh, taqiq. And one important reason in today's world to study and learn the true uh, Islam is not to be deceived and fooled on behalf of Islam. Yani because there are so many uh, uh, people today, charlatans, you know, uh, presenting themselves as scholars and speaking, you know, uh, with the name of uh, Allah and God. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so, you know, uh, they are there just to deceive people and to manipulate them and to fool them. Uh, so this is one of the reasons why we should learn you know, uh, so that we don't get deceived, mm. we don't get misled. Uh, so you see so many people getting involved in those you know, wrong uh, organizations. Why? Because they are ignorant. You know, they don't know how to distinguish between mm. right and wrong. Uh, so somebody comes and you know, presents some arguments and they are easily misled. Uh, so this is, it's very important for us you know, uh, to have this critical-minded uh, Islamic uh, religious uh, education so that no one can mislead us and deceive us on behalf of Islam or Allah, you know, uh, and also very important for us to educate our children, young people. You know, uh, so this is one of the reasons why uh, we have to uh, study uh, deeply uh, and learn in a careful uh, manner and uh, having a good Islamic education you know, uh, protects us mm. from uh, getting deceived uh, by these, uh, you know, uh, charlatans uh, and the currents. Uh. Dr. Rajab, thank you so much for this enlightening conversation, Inshallah. spiritually and intellectually. Dr. Rajab Shenturk, the president of Ibn Khaldun University. Uh, for all of our listeners, you're going to see his bio. You can Google him, listen to uh, some of his lectures that are online. I think this uh, must is going to be the beginning of many conversations <laughs> yeah, with Dr. Rajab. I don't Rajab. think this is going to be the last one by any means. You know, I, I think there's <laughs> a, you know, we thank you so much for your time, Dr. Rajab, and uh, we, we hope to uh, be with you again soon. Yeah, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you. Alhamdulillah. It's our uh, pleasure. For everyone listening to the Iman Wired podcast, Istanbul edition, you are finding us on iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating. Uh, five-star rating, excuse me. If <laughs> and you relate any, to us as well. And relate to us as well. <laughs> Send us any questions, comments uh, that you have. We'd love to hear back from you, and we'll see you all soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.